Hi, I'm the self-development coach, Johnny Lawrence, and welcome to the Self-Development Podcast. Anxiety is a chronic level of sensitivity around the things that we're very much unconscious about. A lot of people out there who think they know what the root cause of their anxiety is, don't know what the root cause of their anxiety is. It's it's a domino effect. You know, uh, one experience leads to another experience, leads to another experience to the point where, you know, your senses are are basically so sensitized and looking out for your overall well-being and the survival so very much that it would rather deem something as being a threat rather than pass it along. Hello and thanks for listening to the Self-Development Podcast. Today I'll be chatting with author, podcaster, YouTuber and anxiety specialist Dennis Simsik. Dennis is widely known as the anxiety guy and that's because in the beginning he'd tried all the anxiety cures he could find to overcome his own challenges with anxiety. However, generalized anxiety turned to panic disorder and panic disorder turned to health anxiety. And it wasn't long until he had decided to take matters into his own hands. It was then that he took all that he had learned about anxiety and used it to reverse negative thinking patterns, reframe his childhood trauma and steer himself towards inner peace. And now he uses these insights to help others do the same. He's the creator of the End the Anxiety Program He's the author of Me Versus Myself, Fuck Coping, Start Healing, and Beyond Anxiety. Dennis hosts the Anxiety Guy podcast, which has over 4 million downloads. And he also has the Anxiety Guide YouTube channel, which has over 4 million verified views. Dennis is not only an incredibly warm individual, but he also offers a remarkable insight into anxiety. So let's get to it. It's so wonderful to have you on, mate. How are you today? Oh, I'm I'm great, my friend, and the honor is all mine. Honestly, um, I love doing these, uh, and we're gonna we're really gonna help a lot of people today. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. And uh, you know, I, I'm I've got an easy day as far as I'm concerned. I'm just gonna sit and listen. <laughs> <laughs> I got a very oh, easy, easy shift. Okay, right? <laughs> all right, sounds uh, good. Could you uh, could you tell people that are not familiar with your work yet a bit about yourself and your journey? Sure. Um, yeah, like uh, the anxiety journey started very, very young. Um, I was brought up to be a professional tennis player. So that started very, very early uh, around the age of four and five. You know, a lot of pressure there, especially from uh, a father figure who really, really was determined to, to make me something, you know, to, to, to create an athlete out of his son. And so, um, uh, yeah, my heart was kind of into it and then not into it. And I went through my teen years kind of with a lot of emotional ups and downs. And, and uh, yeah, long story short, I developed these anxiety disorders in kind of my mid-20s uh, what, with what felt like was out of the blue, basically. And uh, I got diagnosed and, well, Dennis, you have panic disorder. And I go to another doctor. You have generalized anxiety. Another doctor, you know, you got hypochondria and, and the list goes on. And next thing I know, I've, I, I got all these labels and these, this emotional weight that I'm carrying around in my kind of mid-20s to my early 30s. And, and those were very dark days. Those were days where, um, you know, you're kind of living day to day. And uh, thankfully, I had a child in my early 30s. Um, 
And that kind of spurred everything on. You know, I, I named the child life, you know, in Turkish, it's, it's called Hayat. So because he gave me life. And, um, and after, you know, after he was born, I, I really had a reason to, to kind of look at everything and evaluate, you know, the direction my life was going and really reflect and go, you know what, you've been living a, a life of, of being very comfortably fearful for a long time, Dennis. And, and I think it's time to kind of see, you know, where, where the holes are here, where the roots of all this anxiety really lies. And if it really is possible to heal it, because no doctor told me that I could heal. Um, you know, I was told that you're going to have to manage this and cope with it. And I went through talk therapy and such, which is great for, for the people that need it, um, in their, you know, in their, in their kind of personal journeys. But yeah, I, I got to this point where I started to see if I could prove myself wrong and prove other people wrong. And, and for a long time, I believed it wasn't possible to heal what I was going through. And then, um, and through the, 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 the reason to kind of give it a good shot. And um, my son who was born, I was able to take some small steps forward. And every, every step, as much as it was very slow, the whole process, um, it did get me to where I am today. And I did not expect to be where I am today. I could tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, it makes perfect sense that you are where you are today. Cause I mean, deliberate or undeliberate, you have done a significant amount of work around your 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 topic matter you know you i would challenge anybody to, to to ask you a question on anxiety that i'm sure you haven't either experienced or a very researched answer so uh, right. yeah so right. i think that's that's quite amazing i mean what could you offer like a clear definition of what anxiety is and its symptoms because i think some people yeah. might have different sort of ideas of what anxiety is sure and I think a lot of people out there, first of all, before we jump into it, I don't think they really not, not, I mean, when you have anxiety, you think everybody knows about anxiety, but the truth is, is that a lot of people have no idea what anxiety is. They don't have a clue. And then that's okay. Cause if you don't go through the journey yourself and kind of see it or just read about it, you won't really know. Um, I'll try to give a definition of anxiety. Um, yeah, anxiety is kind of this chronic state of sensitivity. And uh, when we're talking about this chronic state of sensitivity, we're not talking about being sensitive towards things that you're only aware of. You know, the anxiety is a chronic level of sensitivity around the things that we're very much unconscious about. Um, so, so this is very important to understand because a lot of people out there who think they know what the root cause of their anxiety is, don't know what the root cause of their anxiety is. And a lot of people out there who think that they developed anxiety out of the blue did not develop it out of the blue. I mean, this is, this really is one of those things where it's, it's a domino effect. You know, uh, one experience leads to another experience leads to another experience to the point where, you know, your senses are, are basically, um, so sensitized and looking out for your overall well-being and, 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 and the survival so very much that it would rather deem something as being a threat rather than pass it along, okay? Kind of just pass it by, better words. Um, so if I'm in a new environment, for example, and um, let's say I have anxiety, I'm told I have anxiety, I feel like I have anxiety, I have anxiety. 
I'm in this environment that's brand new and it's unfamiliar and the walls are red, right? I, the, the guy's person I'm talking with is fine. The couch is comfortable. I've got a glass of water. Everything's fine, but the walls are red. You know, uh, my, my unconscious side will, will pick up the, the color red and automatically connect to some kind of trauma that happened back in the day and off we go. Right here come the heart palpitations. Here come the uh, the sweating. Here come the shakiness and the the muscle tremors and you name it. So you know those would be a few of the symptoms. But in terms of symptoms, Johnny, um, I think it's important to understand that there, it's a combination, and it's not just anxiety sufferers don't just experience physical symptoms. It's not just you know, the, the tightness in the stomach or the lump in the throat or the chronic headache. It's not just the physical, it's very much mental symptoms as well. You know, there's a, there's a certain habitual way of keeping anxiety alive. And that's really going about your day, replaying the same ideas of yesterday, uh, replaying the same beliefs potentially of your authority figures and your parents and, uh, and having emotional symptoms as well, you know, having the same, same types of emotions each and every day, which mainly comes down to fear. So um, that would be my, my description in terms of what anxiety is, as well as the symptoms. I mean, it sounds to me like there's a comfort in the familiarity of, of, of having those emotions every single day. You know, it's almost it. like you can get used to that. It sounds like in what you're describing. You got, you got it, but you tell somebody this and they'll say, you gotta be crazy. Uh, there's nothing more that I want than, than to overcome my anxious state. Nothing more. Okay, well, you know, how would you deal with change if it actually showed up today and you woke up tomorrow morning anxiety-free? Well, I'd be a little uncomfortable. <laughs> it would be a big change in my life, right? I'd have to learn things all over again. Mm. Okay, well, I think I've proved to you that, you know, healing anxiety isn't the hardest part, right? I mean, you already know enough. You already have the skill sets, right? I mean, you're a master at what anxiety is. I tell a lot of people this. You know, what you're really dealing with is the fear of, of the unfamiliar. You're, you're dealing with the fear of change. You're dealing with the fear of uncertainty, right? So let's put the anxiety aside. Let's, let's deal with when this fear of uncertainty arose, right? And when you lost your self-worth. Um, and many times when we start to deal with that, people start to go about their day and go, something feels weird here. I'm not, what, what happened to the mental chatter? So, you know, a lot of people start going and looking for it. You start looking for it, you're going to find it, right? So, yeah, it's, it's a state. It's a pattern for sure. There's a bunch of them. I, I just find that, like, the irony of that is that the anxiety is actually the fear of the unknown, which is the unknown is actually you changing that anxiety behavior. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's, like a, it's like a real vicious circle, isn't it? You can see how someone can get caught in that and uh, not know how to get out. 100%. Yeah. In fact, there was a person a couple of days ago that I was talking to and, and she came to me frantically. Hmm. You wouldn't believe it. She came to me frantically and said, Dennis, I feel healthy. And I said, what's wrong with that? You know, <laughs> like, I don't know what, I don't know what to do with this feeling. Right. Like I feel physically healthy. I feel like I have energy, you know, the, the fog has lifted, you know, I've listened to a video or two of yours and, and here I am. Right. I don't know what to do with this, this new feeling. A lot of anxiety sufferers 
don't know what it's like not to live with a chronic state of stress and anxiety. So when it does happen, consciously and unconsciously, you know, they'll pull themselves back into that familiar state. I think that is such a vitally important piece of knowledge. I really do. That people can actually be like, let, let's say, well, or feeling better or not experiencing anxiety. And that in itself can be quite scary for them because it's so unfamiliar. I just, wow. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. are we, 10 minutes in? I mean, <laughs> already blowing my mind. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the fear of feeling better. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, I'll tell you honestly, though, uh, a lot of people aren't going to get this at the beginning. You mm. really have to. Yeah, there's people out there that may be listening to that and going, this is crazy. I'm going to shut this off. Well, yeah, you know, anxiety healing and then the spiritual growth that we're all on, you know, it's really is a ladder system, mm. you know, and a lot of people aren't ready to hear some of the things that we're going to talk about today. That's the truth of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. I had a proverb once about a son saying to his father, dad, every year you get smarter and smarter. And it was the child's awareness that was growing, not the father, you know, and, and I, I really love that. It's a lovely, uh, lovely little proverb. Um, Beautiful. What do you feel like ultimately causes people to experience that anxiety? So sort of like, not necessarily the triggers, but the sort of what sort of events in people's lives can sort of embed themselves and create that long term experience of anxiety? Yeah. Um, you know, you'll, you can ask. 50 different, you know, influencers or coaches, the same question, you'll probably get like 30 different answers. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, depending on how far they're along down the, uh, the red pill. But um, the, I, after all these years have come to the conclusion and I'm still, of course, you know, checking it all out, doing studies and, and doing what I can as a coach. But um I think childhood trauma between conception and the age of five has a lot to do with it. And I'll tell you why, because when I work with someone and, and, and they don't really, ex they don't know where we're going when we work together. Right. Um, I'll, I'll bring them back to times when they were in the womb, for example. Right. And they'll go, this is, this is crazy. No, it's nuts. This is, this is, a, this is way out of my comfort zone. Well, you're here for a reason, right? And intuitively, I'm led to bring you there. So we go there, uh, mainly in a hypnotic state, right? And so they're in the womb, and, uh, and mom and dad are fighting. And mom has the emotional experience throughout those nine months, mainly defaulting to fear. How are we going to afford the child? Um, am I going to have a relationship with the husband? Um, do, am I going to have to, you know, ask somebody to care for the child? You know, what am I going to do? How am I, also... As the mother goes through all these, these feelings and emotions, so does the child, uh, plain and simple. So um, we bring the person back to the womb. We show them exactly what's going on or the age of two when they experience the experience of the toys being taken away from them while they're in the bath. Highly traumatic for, for, for sensitized people coming into the world uh, after those first nine months or potentially generational trauma you know, past lives, we can go really deep with this stuff. We don't know, we can assume. But staying in the, in the trauma-filled world in this lifetime, I think it has a lot to do with conception in the age of five when, you know, you've got this blank canvas and you can paint whatever you want onto it between the, those years where the kid's just super suggestible. 
right? And so it's, it's like buying a new computer, right? You put whatever you want on it, right? You've got all the apps at the front and all the notes and stuff like that. Um, and it's very difficult to delete if you don't have the right software. So I believe it has a lot to do with conception in the age of five. I think as we move on the age of six and seven, I think we're still very, very creative and imaginative. Um, at that point, I think we have a very good blueprint of who we are um, and, and what life is about. And I, uh, I'm a big believer that we go about uh, the rest of our lives basically living out that blueprint uh, each and every day until there comes a point where we say, oh, this, this is wrong, right? So on. But I'd like to think that it's, I, I'm pretty sure, conception to the age of five and then just building from there. Yeah, I mean, that, that resonates with me quite a bit. I mean, for, what, for whatever reason, um, you know, my son has a lot of anxiety um, mm. and he has recently been diagnosed with, with autism. And uh, I know lots of people have lots of different um, opinions about things like that, you know, but for what, you know, we, we got him diagnosed because it would be helpful with his schooling that it gave the school some evidence to, to help him and to support him in the way in which he needed. But I, I sit back there just then listening to you, thinking about some of the things that choices that we made as parents. And we, ever, we always did things out of kindness and love, obviously. But sometimes when you're a desperate, tired parent <laughs> and someone suggests something like controlled crying, you know, it's only now that I sit here and he's a bit older. I, I look back and it literally makes me feel sick thinking about just leaving him in the room crying on his own. It's just so not what he needed, you know, <laughs> and you wonder what impact that has on them you know, as they get older, you know, what, what did they learn in them, in their moments when they were crying in the dark and nobody came, you know, right. You know, so right. you can see how that would have a significant impact. hundred percent. Like from the adult's perspective, it's really not a big deal, but from mm. the child's perspective, it's, it, it, it's, it's emphasizing who they are and what they believe life is. So mm. they go about life thinking, you know, um, what's the point of being happy, for example, uh, what's the point of, what's the point of having these new toys around me if they're just always going to be taken away from me, you know, these sorts of things. So that's, I believe that that paves the way for devaluing ourselves and the low level of self-worth and all these other uh, emotional disorders that we go through uh, later on in life. Um, not always, but a lot of the times. And, and when people start to clean up their past, um, I've, you know, I've seen it over and over again. The present tends to change and they're in, they're out of survival and into a creative space when it comes to their future. Um, so yeah, cleaning up that past is quite important, but the first thing is to be open to the idea that this has something to do with experiences. We don't even have to call them traumas, just experiences where, you know, uh, I, uh, something happened to me. I didn't like it. And, uh, and I stored it. I stored it in my mind. I stored it in my body. And, and here I am as an adult living it up. Yeah. And you allow them experiences to sort of pepper your world, don't you? And to, to show you how the world is, you start to make sense of the world through the lens of that experience, I expect, which is a quite, quite, quite significant learning. I think I love that, that what you just said, clean up their past. I've never heard that before. That's uh, yeah. that's pretty amazing i love that i really do like it that. Up. <laughs> yeah 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 exactly clean up your past 
I've got a question for you. Do you have a goal in life? Do you have that one thing that you want to achieve, but no matter how hard you try, there's always something that seems to stop you? I found myself sort of stuck in a rut, really. I've always wanted to write a book, but I've never done it. I just felt completely stuck in a hole and I didn't want to be in it, but I didn't know how to get out of it. For a long time, that was me too, until I figured out a way to finally overcome my limiting beliefs and not take no for an answer. And I want to teach you to do the same thing. That's why I've designed the Life Goal Discovery four-day masterclass. I feel probably in a more positive place now than I felt in a, in a long, long time. It's genuinely changed my perspective on everything I do on a daily basis. I've done big things. I've done well. Four days of on-demand coaching sessions from myself, showing you how to fulfill your potential and get closer to your goals. Do you want to discover a path to that one thing that you always wanted to do? Stop what you're doing now and sign up for my masterclass by heading over to schoolofselfdevelopment.com. When someone is experiencing anxiety, so, you know, someone's having a morning where, I don't know, they maybe had some drinks the night before and they've decided to wake themselves up with a double espresso, <laughs> which sounds like, the, <laughs> sounds like the perfect recipe for, for anxiety to be. <laughs> yeah, perfect um, remedy. Yeah, what, what can they do? Yeah in that moment i mean i know there are long-term strategies for for anxiety but in that moment when they're really deep in that experience what sort of things can they do to help themselves okay so um before focusing on what a person can do i think it's very important that you actually hit the pain button enough times that the person actually wants to change who they are and how they feel um until you rev up that pain button, I don't believe that anything you do will actually make a lasting difference in your life. I truly in my heart believe that because I went through it. Other people have went through it. Um, they're only going to be temporarily suppressing symptoms. And a lot of people want to live there and that's totally fine. But if you want to heal, uh, you got to get to the point of what I call no return, uh, where you're actually you know, ready to grab the end of a sword in order to heal. Um, with both hands. So um, it's important that the mindset is there, okay? And it's important that you understand that it's okay to actually go through uh, what I would deem as being, you know, setbacks in a lot of ways. If you did have drinks the night before, and if you did have an espresso in the morning, these are setbacks based around the, 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 the decision I've made to change my identity and my core beliefs, um, and, and that's really, it really starts with mindset. Um, I've found that a lot of people who have almost teetered with obsession in terms of their healing, at least in the beginning stages, get the most out of what they do for themselves. Whereas if somebody does the same thing for themselves and hasn't really gotten to the point of no return, then they're going to go, well, it didn't work for me. Right. And it's not like it didn't work for you. It's the fact that um, you're so invested in who you are and your core beliefs that you haven't, you know, there's, there's no way for this method to work for you or for this technique to work for you because, uh, because of that, that particular reason. Um, so the first thing is mindset. You want to get to a point where you come first uh, before anybody and anything else. Uh, career, other people, even your kids. You know, you can't care for your kids to the point that you really truly want to until you start caring for yourself. That's what I believe. Yeah. Uh, so mindset is going to be very, very important. But when you wake up in the morning and you've got the espressos and such, I would start drinking some, some good, good filtered water. 
like that's a pretty good place to start um prevention is better than cure <laughs> right like let's let's start somewhere here um and uh and honestly i would you know you're gonna you're gonna be revved up you're gonna be you're gonna have energy um i would start to um perceive that energy as something that you can use for the benefit of you rather than the deterioration of yourself. And a lot of people take that energy and become more negative, possibly. Um, they beat themselves up, you know, they, they overwork, for example, and you can use that same energy to, you know, to, to express yourself, maybe with other people, maybe talk about your feelings a little bit more or, or, or go get a good workout or an exercise routine going. You can use that energy in that moment after those espressos for, for good purposes. Um, so those are places to start. And then, of course, it's about cleaning up the past and, and gaining skill sets to counter anxiety in the moment. Yeah, I love that. So to summarize, it's, it's sort of put yourself first. Make sure you're putting yourself first. If you, it's like that analogy they use for airplanes, isn't it? You know, tend to yourself before you tend to others type thing. Um, prevention. Yeah, just looking after the things that you do that you know aren't, don't serve you, don't benefit you at all. And then lastly, sort of focus that energy. Focus your energy in the right direction. Just as you say, like, you know, people do spend a lot. We've all met that person where you say to them, morning, how are you? And then they tell you that, that life's problems. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, wow, okay. Never asked that again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you do know that lesson, don't you? Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that's, that's great advice. I love that. Thank you for that. Um, I'd like to get a bit deeper into the causes of anxiety, specifically around anxiety stemming from trauma and belief systems and gaining awareness of the learning from that behavior. Um, I wonder if you could talk a bit about that because I'm a sufferer of, um, not a sufferer, I, I've had some significant childhood trauma myself and I'm working on that journey now. And going back to what you just spoke about just now, a friend of mine and I, Patrick, we talk about that very important question we asked was, have you had enough pain yet? Because mm -hmm. until you get to that point, I'm not sure you're like you just said, I'm not sure you're quite ready. Are you, you know, and you have to have had enough, just had enough yeah. of living the way you do, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the, the, the important part of that question as well is when you, when you say, yes, I've had enough, um, you start to open yourself up to lessons that you wouldn't be aware of if you, if you weren't ready, mm. you know, you, you, the, the filter system going on in the brain starts to go, okay, well, this is new, you know, now I guess we can, you know, take in this information or we can do this, you know, so that decision is very, very important. Um, in terms of trauma, though, um, I believe that every single day we wake up in the morning, um, we run a certain set of, of, of habitual ways of thinking about the day. Um, and then we attach feelings, feelings to those ideas. And we say, you know, yeah, this is going to be true because I've experienced it over and over again in the last couple of weeks, months, years of my life. There's enough evidence there. This is all unconscious evidence there to prove that today is going to be very similar to the anxiety days I experienced recently. And they're right. Okay. So with those habitual ways of thinking come certain ways of perceiving things. I go to work, you know, Janet, I can't stand her. She's going to raise my anxiety levels, yada, 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 perceptions. Um, and with perceptions come actions. 
you know, and so on down the road. But what's very important to understand is that when you start to feel the same way every single morning and afternoon and every evening, you're actually unconsciously running um, a certain slideshow in your head. And that slideshow is basically creating these self-fulfilling prophecies. So with every image that you run through your head on what you're about to expect throughout the day, uh, you're, you're, you're about to manifest exactly what it is you're, you're imagining based on how you're feeling. Because I believe the universe doesn't read our thoughts so much or our behaviors. Uh, it reads more so how we feel in our emotional states. So if I'm always in the emotional state of being anxious, then the world will say, okay, well, you know, there's no sarcasm here. Takes it very literally. Um, okay, we need to align the world, external and internal, based on anxious, because this is the message we're getting. So this is very much a, an energetic and, and spiritual journey as much as it is, you know, the, the mental health and the CBTs and all that other stuff. Um, so you wake up in the morning and instead of unconsciously imagining the worst, you know what you do? You consciously imagine the best and then you just leave it alone. Okay. You don't go and check the results. You don't say, is this working for me? Right. Uh, is it, is it going to happen? Oh, I really hope it happens. Cause that way, again, you're gripping to certainty again. If you're gripping to certainty, you know, healing anxiety becomes very, very difficult. You have to embrace the uncertainty in order for those two to be balanced, right? So you leave it alone. You wake up in the morning and you run certain conscious images and mental movies in your head of what you want the day to look like. And you take this as a certain skill set. And then a couple of weeks go by and you go, wow, I'm thinking about X a little bit differently. And in this situation, I'm acting a little bit differently. And, and you start to see you know, the, the fruits of your, your efforts. So, um. Yeah, trauma back in the, this, this, without going too deep into it, this actually is the, one of the things that I use quite often, which uh, I've termed as being emotional reframing. You know, you can uh, emotionally reframe your experience in the wound, you know, when your toys were taken away from you at the age of two, at the age of five, when, you know, dad left you alone in the corner. These are all things that you can emotionally reframe. And if you can imagine it with, with, with the right amount of feeling and certainty, um, you know, you will manifest into the identity that you, you desire and that you, you deserve to be. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that because it just speaks to that. We identify, don't we? We attach, like if somebody is anxious and you know, they're anxious and they're always telling you you're anxious and they're always saying, I can't do that because I'm quite an anxious person. Like even that statement, I'm an anxious person. You are telling the universe, you're telling the people, the places, the things in your life, I am anxious, treat me this way, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Words are powerful. Yeah. Words are energy, as my fiance would like. Um, and uh, it's all energy. Yeah. It really is. It's all, it's all part of the, the, the bigger piece of pie. And, um, and I think that a lot of healing has a lot to do with becoming aware of uh, what you're putting out there. And, and, and when you do go about your life becoming a little bit more aware each and every day, you get to a point in your life where you don't have to be as aware anymore. Inner peace can be as, uh, inner peace can be your new default as anxiety was once day, well, one, one time in your life. Um, 
And a lot of people start to understand this. And as long as you don't get scared of how people are going to treat you now and how they're going to take it and, and what uncertainty lies in the future. And as long as you get out of that story mode, um, you're going to be just fine. And then everything that you want will, will come into your life, you know, internally and externally. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Important point. That's another brilliant line. Um, words are energy. Love it. Um, you know, cause you're right. I mean, Right now, you know, I could have a conversation with you. I, I could make you laugh. I could make you angry. I could make you cry. I can, I can provoke emotion simply with the words I use. So it's important to think if I can do that to somebody else, surely I can do that to myself. You know, it's like I said to clients so many times, like, you know, don't be surprised when, when a sad song comes on, you feel sad. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. It's literally what it's exactly. supposed to do. I just right. wanted to mention that microphone keeps getting caught behind your uh, your shirt there. I think just yep. it, how's this? It, that's perfect. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, no so, can repeated experiences of anxiety lead to feelings of not feeling safe in your own body, or can you can you start to have like a lack of trust towards yourself? And and how can people sort of overcome something like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, trust would be the. Trust would be one of the most important ingredients when it comes to healing anxiety. Mm. You know, I, I tell a lot of people this. When you start to, for example, trust in your relationship and you overcome the jealousy, you know, that's going to have a lasting effect in the workplace. That's going to have a la lasting effect uh, with your health-related anxiety and so on. It's all a domino effect. Um, so, so trust is a very important component. And Anxiety sufferers don't trust. They don't trust in their bodies. They don't trust in the future. They don't trust in the unknown. Uh, they have a very difficult time trusting in things. Um, so, so it's very important that um, if anybody out there is suffering from anxiety, it's very important that you start giving things a chance, number one. And number two, it's very important that you give new ideas a chance. Um, instead of, you know, having a new idea kind of pop up in your head that says, I am capable, or I am healthy, or uh, I can, uh, you know, make this much, or I can experience X, and kind of running from it and going back to your, your regular default mode, instead of doing that, spend more time on what feels uh, vulnerable to you. Vulnerable is that door that we have to walk through in order to heal anxiety, almost on a daily basis. Um, so trust is very, very important. You need to build trust. And when new ideas come around, you need to befriend them. Um, you need to spend time on them. It's very important that the day doesn't take over you. It's very important that you, you check in with yourself and say, in this very moment, uh, at the workplace, in this very moment, when I've come home and I've put my feet up, in this very moment, am I being the kind of person that I'm working towards? Am I being the kind of person that I'm working towards? And if the answer is no, change it. Do anything different, anything. Um, because as you mentioned, you know, some of the most important words that we tell ourselves come after the words I am. Right. And, and unconsciously every single day because the doctor has diagnosed us with generalized anxiety most of our i ams are i am generalized anxiety it's not i am doing certain patterns causing me anxiety it's i am generalized anxiety. 
So in healing, um, we start to kind of disidentify from, from that. It's like, it's like I've said before, where a soccer player for a long period of time, all of a sudden decides they want to be a tennis player and they suck at tennis, right? It's like, oh God, I want to go back to soccer, right? <laughs> um, it's familiar for me, even though I do a lot of suffering in soccer because the competitive level is so high and such. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a familiar kind of suffering that's different than this new kind of suffering. So I'm going to go back there. You know, this is kind of what we do unconsciously with anxiety. It's kind of this pinball thing going back and forth. I'll try this and I'll go back. I'll try this. I'll go back. This was me for many, many years. Well, there's a saying, isn't there? Um, better the devil, you know, you know, yeah. it's, it's that's literally <laughs> a saying, isn't it? So, <laughs> right. Exactly. And so trust is very important. Spending time in that vulnerable place is important. And, and you're going to find that a lot of clarity and epiphany start to arise in your life when they do. Don't be afraid of them. Go, to, go directly towards them because this is what you truly want. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think it's like people don't want, people will take that sort of feeling of discomfort and label it immediately as it can't be a good thing because it, I, I feel uncomfortable. But I've described to, to friends, you know, as that feeling of vulnerability is like <clears throat> knowing that, excuse me, <clears throat> knowing that where you want to be is on the other side of a thorn bush. And then you ask the person, well, how can I get to the other side? Where's the gap in the hedge? And you're like, no, no, you've got to go through the thorn bush. <laughs> you know, yes. and it's, it, that's it, isn't it? It's, it's that feeling of like, right, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to feel these uncomfortable feelings. But I, I oh. still want to get there, though. <laughs> you know, I can't tell you how, 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 how bad my anxiety symptoms got really? within those first, you know, initial months of, of healing. Uh, they got a lot worse before they got a lot better because, you know, that subconscious mind, that inner child really doesn't uh, do well with these extreme types of change that you're introducing into your life. So defense mechanism after defense mechanism after defense mechanism will show up, you know, things like, you know, you'll have an idea that says, I don't have a coach. I don't have a therapist that therefore I'm, I can't heal. Um, I tried my best today. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll put this aside. I'll try again next week. You know, all these ideas, even certain behaviors, uh, things that we say, these are all defense mechanisms from the subconscious trying to keep you in a familiar state of anxiousness. Um, but as long as we recognize that, that that is what it is, then we can start working. Mm. Yeah. And it's, what I like about what you're saying is like, there's no, there's no battling, there's no combating, there's no, it's, you're accepting it. You're just saying it's okay. And it's like, 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 like you would speak to, or how I would speak to my children, you know, just reassuring, just saying, Hey, it's all right. It's okay. You know, because I, I heard somewhere once, you know, when we take away those difficult experiences for children, we also take away the growth. And I think that can be true as an adult, can't it? You know, we, if we don't, you know, most of the things that were worth getting were quite hard <laughs> and uh, there was a level of discomfort that come with it. So I, I love, I love the way you put that. It's wonderful. Um, if people, if people experience anxiety frequently enough, um, can it, can it be part of their challenge to, to sort of that they do begin to identify with it? And they, like I said earlier, they become that anxious person. And, oh. um, 
how do you sort of reframe that? What what are sort of the tactics you could take to reframe that I'm not an anxious person or yeah yeah um so first things first feelings are the decider stage so depending on what you feel um, will determine what your future looks like and what you look like in the future um, so no matter what you do first and foremost on this healing journey there has to be a certain degree of feeling connected to it, okay? Because all these techniques, none of them work until you start attaching feeling to them, at least from what I've experienced. Um, you know, honestly, I would, I would get really good in the imaginative department. I use a lot of imagery with people, a lot of imagery work. I do a lot of breath work with people. Um, so the allowing the anxiety sufferer to understand that they have permission to slow down their life is huge. Mm -hmm. um, you have permission, you know, to, to get up at 8 a.m. And although your work is at 9.30 and you keep showing up 30 minutes early, you know, because you're so anxious, you're, it's okay to go at 50 to 70% of your normal speed throughout this morning. So you give yourself that permission to go at that speed. The shower, you take a few more minutes driving it's a bit slower and then all of a sudden you come in contact with this feeling and this feeling is is kind of this feeling of this state of, of kind of calmness you know it's like wow i'm not rushing so the most important thing for anxiety sufferers is to understand that you have you got to give yourself permission to slow down not just slow down but give yourself permission to slow down because the very act of of, of rushing is there due to the reason that we don't want to make more mistakes. We feel like during our childhood, we made so many mistakes and our authority figures put us down so many times and told us that we should be doing things this way and not that way, that we don't want to make more mistakes in our life. Mm. So here we are as adults, we get to work 30 minutes early. You know, we, we have this perfectionist attitude where we call ourselves, I am a perfectionist. Well, not you. You're not a perfectionist. You're doing things that make you feel like you're a perfectionist, yes, but give yourself permission to slow down your life in every single aspect of your life that you can. Slow down the way you talk, walk, drive, shower, especially eat, right? Eat without distraction, uh, do these types of things. Secondly, when it comes to trauma work, as I mentioned, imagery is very, very important. Um, emotional reframing is what we tend to do in our little community. We focus on uh, going back into previous experiences in a safe way, not a re-traumatizing way, which I have certain techniques for. Um, and, and we allow that child, adult, child in the scene, in the environment altogether, adults right there present, we allow the adult to give the child permission to express himself or herself, okay? And, and when you're in a state, uh, when you're in an alpha state, when your brainwaves have in fact slowed down and, and you're not rushing through the experience um, and you are communicating with the subconscious mind, you have slowed things down, this is a very real process. The brain, the body doesn't know the difference between what you're imagining and what's actually taking place in the physical reality. So... Emotional reframing with the guidance of your present adult to the child, very, very powerful. I'm, I'm talking like 
I've had experiences with people where we had one session and a lifetime of trauma would pretty much be replaced wow. with a lifetime of safety, right? Because at that point in the present moment, they come back to me and say, well, around that person and around similar environments, my body doesn't seem to be as jumpy. Exactly. Because yeah. what are we trying to do here? We're trying to show the body that the reality that you live in right now is safe. And it's not the same as it was when you were a child. Right? Yeah. So we do emotional reframing, very, very powerful, clean up the facts. Uh, we do a lot of things in terms of physiological work. Not as much mental work. You'd be surprised. A lot of things with your body, like slowing down like giving ourselves permission to make mistakes. I tell people sometimes make mistakes on purpose, right? <laughs> Grab that plate from the kitchen, right? Throw it down and yell, you know, Opa, right? <laughs> and, and, and make it a game, right? Allow your own inner child to realize that that's not a mistake anymore. Just don't let the kids see you do it. <laughs> exactly. don't have one, right? Clean it up real fast. Okay. <laughs> so those are the types of things we do. And I would highly recommend looking into at a deeper level when you are at the point of no return uh i got goosebumps through that you're you're, you're yeah just absolutely fantastic advice it really is um i could see how that would work that must be so amazing for you as well to witness those changes you know must that emotional work must get quite emotional for, for everyone involved you can literally see that that you know 4,000 pound bag that the person's carrying in their body pretty much disappear. Wow. Uh, and as you watch them, the shoulders start to droop, you know, they start to feel lighter. They start purging. They start crying. They start sweating and shaking. These are things that a lot of people are scared to do, but is necessary because healing can be quite messy. Right? And then you've got to embrace the messiness. So. I've never thought of that. Uh crying and sweating and shaking as purging before that's uh that's uh, another another learning i've got some great wisdom here start <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crying yeah yeah well that's yeah because it's something something i have i face challenges around so yeah it's interesting it's a very interesting one um last couple of questions i mean how how can people get off that sort of proverbial hamster wheel of overthinking or my preference unhelpful thinking um <clears throat> In terms of the, 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 the whole, the thinking power, I think the first thing is to realize, you know, what direction it's leading you towards. I think it's very important that before you do anything, you have to first have the right mindset going into it. And, and the mindset in terms of your thinking is, hey, if I, if I continue with these patterns, where am I going? What's, what am, what's my life going to look like in five, 10 years from now? Am I going to be on my deathbed many years from now going, I'm glad I lived a safe life? Mm. No. You want, you want to be on your deathbed going, I live incredible memories and I'm so grateful. And I am, you know, I'm basically going to create non-resistance in this very moment when I go, which is the way I hopefully uh, will go, hopefully much later in life. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, in terms of thinking, it's very, very important to recognize what direction it's leading you towards. Um, Number one, and then it's very important to differentiate between replaying and actually thinking. Uh, replaying is replaying the same ideas of yesterday and your authority figures. Uh, thinking is actually a conscious act, right? Thinking would be something coming from you based on your experience as an adult. 
um, replaying would be an unconscious act coming from the inner child trying to keep you anxious or at least in a familiar state. Um, so you need to go, is this idea here that's making me anxious? This is in the replaying section. This idea here, this is in the conscious section. And I don't have much experience with this idea, but in order for me to have a better life, I got to make this one stronger. In order to make it stronger, I have to take the formula I used to get to an anxious state, right? What's the formula I used to become anxiety, right? Well, I practiced pretty much 24 hours a day, even while I was sleeping, right? So like whether I knew it or not, that was me. So practice has a lot to do with it. Feelings have a lot to do with it. And you have to be certain in these new ideas. If there's no uh, feeling of certainty, it's going to get very, very difficult. Um, I am certain that this new idea is true for me. That old idea is my mom's. That old behavior is my dad's. I picked, up, picked it up without even knowing it. This idea is mine. This behavior is mine. And no matter what anybody thinks or how they reply to me while I'm going through these things, you know, it, it doesn't matter anymore. Right? Because I'm not going to live by the pressures of society for one more day. I just can't. Right, So that's the direction I would take. I, I would put those thoughts into two, two different groups. It's funny. You talk about visualization before. And I, I got a real strong visualization of like your parents driving the bus that you're on. And then you mm-hmm. just decide to take the steering wheel one day and drive your own bus, you know, and I, right. that, that's the sort so of you're vision. You're in the very back seat. That's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> just that, going up slowly. That's it. Just at the mercy, <laughs> or, you know, they're taking yeah. you what direction they want to take you, what destination they want to take you. They're picking everything and you're just a passenger. And I think it's that feeling of like going, well, actually, I'd quite like to drive this bus, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and loving intentions. Right. I mean, yeah. If you think about mom and dad, and they're doing the best they could with oh, yeah. what they need to do. So, you know, it's very important that we, because we, the whole anxiety thing is getting rid of blame and guilt at the same time as well. So um, exactly, I couldn't have put it any better, driving your own bus. Yeah. Whether you want to kick mom and dad off that bus or put them in the back seat, that's totally up. <laughs> Oh, it sounds fun putting them in the back seat, right? <laughs> that, 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 that sounds quite fun. Yeah, big exactly. I mean, you're going to have to go through that experience during these family dinners and such anyway. Yeah. Right. So that's pretty much like you driving it and them watching. So, I mean, part, part of my trauma was, um, was, uh, my father was very abusive as a child, um, hurt, hurt myself and my siblings and my mother. And, um, one of the biggest sort of lifts for me was, was stopping the hate was just letting go of like, and realizing, you know, I can't, I can't go quite as far yet to say forgiveness, but realizing that actually he, he was doing his best. He was given some tools that didn't work and he was sort of using them on me. And, uh, you know, that, that blame doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't get you anywhere. It, it, all, all that, all what's better to focus on is a friend of mine named Nikki Hill. She says it's better to focus on the impact. What impact did it have? And how, because you can work with that, right? You can work with your father now. So, yeah. Well, so that was when it all came crashing down for me because all of a sudden I had a new perspective that I couldn't possibly have had until I was a father. And once I was a father, I was like, whoa. <laughs> all of a sudden I was like, yeah, this is kind of hard, actually. <laughs> you, know, right. you know, this is quite hard. I can see how people yeah. could, I mean, I can't see quite how my dad, you know, to the levels my dad did, but I can see how 
you can be frustrated and tired and all them sort of things. 100%. But I mean, just, just the last question really is, um, have you got any sort of advice or guidance that you'd like to pass along to people that's helped you when it comes to self-development? You know, yeah. Uh, and, and it's going to be, it's going to be something that you've heard of before, but it's, it's very important that um, you are certain in the fact that you can heal. Okay. No matter what happens throughout the day, uh, you're putting into practice your new knowledge, your new wisdom, information, knowledge, wisdom, such as you know what you're listening here and what comes to you spontaneously. It's very important that you are certain that you can rid yourself of what it is you want to rid yourself of, which is what we're talking about is anxiety. Um, that level of certainty cannot be brought down, no matter what happens. If something happens and you call it a setback, like you said, there is a potential for you to learn from that setback and get yourself back on the right path. Um, there is a potential for you to, to take certain experiences and go, you know, um, this is something that I can use or this is something that I can take from this or that person taught me something. Uh, there are those potentials when you are certain that healing is possible for you. And it doesn't matter how experienced you are or inexperienced you are. That doesn't matter. Go through every single day um, knowing that uh, this healing is on its way and make sure that you are aware of the fact that you're focusing more on the process that you're in rather than the growth results that you're getting. Because I made a huge mistake for years focusing on, oh, I did a meditation. How am I feeling right now? The same. Meditation sucks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, I, I went to a coaching session. Oh, you know, did they listen to me? No, there was this one moment where the person was looking somewhere else. This doesn't work. You know, you could see the inner child defense mechanism show up. Be certain about your healing, number one. And I promise everybody out there that when you go through your days with this level of certainty, I'm not talking about believe in yourself. I'm talking about certainty in the healing process, okay? Um, when you go through your day with this level of certainty that it's on the way at the time it's going to be on the way at, um, things start to get placed in front of you, okay? The right book falls on your lap. Uh, the right information is told to you. All of these things start to happen when you've got that level of certainty through your key external interest. Great advice. Really great advice. Yeah. Love it. You're right though. You're so right. You know, it's like when you go to the gym, you know, if, if you want to get into shape one session, you're going to notice nothing. Two sessions, you're going to notice nothing, but you take a good look in six months time, you're going to see a lot of difference. And I think that's a great way to look at it. I think really, really good. Thank you so much. I mean, this has just been brilliant. I not wanted to end. I could listen to you all day, <laughs> completely, completely honestly. But you're like, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, we must. We must. Um, what's next for you and where can people find you? Okay. They can find me on YouTube under the Anxiety Guy. I would start with that content. Um, they can find my podcast, the Anxiety Guy podcast, on the different directories or theanxietyguy.com. Um, they can go there and they can reach out to me want to contact me with a question or something you're going through i answer almost every single question <laughs> <laughs>
And uh, there's, uh, sometimes there's a lot of questions. Yeah. I try to get all of them. Um, and what's next is I'm writing my fourth book, and I'm not going to give away the title yet. Um, but it's going to be big. It's going to be very informative. And it's related to one specific niche that a lot of people uh, know that uh, I'm familiar with. Uh, I won't give it away, but um, uh, I'm working on the fourth book right now. And there's three books that people can, can pick up on Amazon if they, if they want to learn more about these ways of, of healing anxiety and, and healing, you know, in different ways as well. We're not just talking about anxiety, but a you know, transformational kind of uh, journey. Amazing. Amazing. Um... Thank you so much for your time today. Um, I, I never brought it up during the conversation, but you're out in Bali, aren't you? So um, you're just so lucky. <laughs> so you're just so lucky. It's just, it, I've never been, but it, it looks beautiful. And uh, I must go out there at some point, you know. Well, we planted the seed now. You have. So uh, <laughs> I think we're going to have to come and visit one day and we'll have a sit down and then do a video. That would be wonderful. I mean, the seed's just been planted for me. I think it's been in my wife's mind for a very long time. <laughs> Good. Excellent. <laughs> hey, hey, well, it shouldn't be a challenging conversation to say, hey, would you like to go to Bali? <laughs> exactly. Tourism is opening up. Uh, yeah. Listen, thank you so much for your time. And um, I look forward to speaking to you again someday and hopefully making that video in Bali. <laughs> and I just want to say I really appreciate you. Um, if, you know, when I do share this with, our community, uh, you have such a big heart and a great soul, I can tell, and, and you're on your way to helping a lot of people. So if other people get the chance, please go ahead and, and follow um, the links below, I guess, when there's links. <laughs> but uh, thank you for everything that you do as well. Oh, thank you so much. Let's speak soon. Thank you. Wow, I could have listened to Dennis for hours. Anxiety can be such a crippling experience for so many people. So I hope this conversation has been helpful to you. And I want to say a huge thank you to Dennis for being on the podcast. So that's all from me for this episode. Thanks again to my podcast producer, Charlie from Chatter Podcasts. And I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Self-Development Podcast. <laughs>